you were dependent on a breadwinner, for example, and your life is now breaking away, you have choices now. You know, you're either going to dwindle and be in a worse situation, or you can start right where you are and upskill, reskill, figure it out. Hello and welcome to A Cup of Tea with Mary B, where I have conversations with ordinary people achieving extraordinary things. One of my favourite quotes from Oprah is, surround yourself only with people who lift you higher. And oh my goodness, this is some young powerful lady that really does lift other people higher. I so enjoyed this conversation with Dee, where we talk about her mission to uplift 1 million women by 2025. We talk about her divorce experience in Singapore, and we also discuss her Butterfly Letters, her latest heart business. Dee Kanjua Allen is a global talent acquisition leader, a recruitment director, a head of people, a serial entrepreneur, and founder of the Butterfly Letters. In our conversation, Dee authentically and honestly shares her own divorce journey and how during her times of darkness and trauma, she lifted and raised other women with both expat and low-income families by sharing her intel of recruitment, CV and interview schools. She also talks about the racism and sexism she experienced in her life, from growing up as a daughter of immigrants in the UK to working within the construction industry and how she's never allowed herself to feel like a victim of circumstance. In fact, she knows her grit has grown as a result of her experiences. I had only enjoyed a brief online conversation with Dee before getting together in person, and we connected so instantly. It was like meeting a soul sister. I was so enjoying our connection that this is a slightly longer than usual conversation, but I really believe it's an important topic to discuss. It can give people the courage to make decisions about their potentially unhappy marital status and have hope for what can be on the other side. The intention of this podcast is to lift my guests higher. And what really helps this happen is if you rate and review this podcast on whatever platform you're using. And pay the podcast for to a friend or a colleague you think that might benefit from hearing this conversation. If you want to connect with me, please find me on LinkedIn, Facebook and Instagram as Mary Barrett Global. And come and join my Mary B tribe for an MMMM, a Monday morning motivational mail to drop into your inbox once a month or more. Please enjoy listening to this master mum, Dee. Hello, Dee. Hi, Mary. Welcome to A Cup of Tea with Mary B. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's so good to welcome you. And I am super excited about chatting to you because you're a very interesting young lady. <sighs> very interesting young lady. <laughs> and so thank you for your time. And I would like to talk to you about your mission, your mission mm. statement you've got, which I'm like, your BHAG mission statement. I would like to talk to you, with your permission, your divorce experience in mm-hmm. Singapore. Sure. And also, I'd like to talk to you about one of your many business ideas, your butterfly letters. Yes. Fantastic. Sure. So tell us about your mission statement. What is it? Sure. Why is it? How does it all work? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so I had a tagline that I wanted to impact a million women by 2025. That isn't really the mission statement in itself like that gives a good visual goal if you like but really what underpins that is the idea of lift as you rise 
that actually is the mission statement to lift as you rise and so, lift as you rise oh, yeah it's um for me that it's a really powerful statement um and it's a massive reminder to myself that when we think about the word of lifting it's you know whether that's lifting others whether that's lifting myself lifting a situation from one position to another like what however you work with that word the the word lift for me is a massive reminder to leave or position myself in a conversation or or in a situation and leave it in a place where hopefully it's been lifted in some way beneficial so that's the lift part the rise is again a self-reminder to me to elevate as much as I can elevate myself elevate others um the conversation the situation um that word of rising it brings to me at least ideas of expansion um abundance you know um to not be stagnant i suppose so that that whole sort of when you put the the lift and the rise together mm. it's just this big powerful statement that isn't one thing but it is lift as i rise or lift as we rise and if we were all to do that we were all to really lift as we rise we're starting to i think anyway position ourselves in the world where we are contributing to humanity in a far more meaningful way mm i mm. absolutely adore that i adore that so i'm curious how did you get to that because i think many of us would like to have our own mission and um some words that encompass mm. the difference we want to make in the world mm. so how did you come to that cuz I, I i know from doing some research on you that you know you've had an interesting upbringing mm. a bit similar to myself but a bit yeah. different so maybe yeah. how did you get to that I'm curious the, yeah the lift as you rise piece um came very late and i would say probably as a result of the whole divorce experience ah. um <clears throat> that experience which i know we'll talk about later but mm. that experience put me in a position of obviously having to deal with my own trauma and healing that needed to happen absolutely had to happen around around the divorce but it also meant that i started to connect different people came into my life and um many of those people were women who were in a similar situation or somewhere on the spectrum of divorce and so i realized that even though i felt in a i felt i was in a broken state in certain in in many ways there were i was still able to lift these other women who who were having other different challenges mm. um and whilst i was sort of healing in my areas i was so for example you know i come from a hr recruiting headhunting background so the women that were affected by divorce who were breadwinners at home for example um may perhaps hadn't worked and were now divorced and needed to find a way to earn money or you know didn't even have a cv and didn't forget forget about interviewing techniques you know were out of touch with that whole realm suddenly like i could that's that's something i can talk about with ease and have um i'm able to add value to the the women that needed that intel at that mm. moment in time to get themselves out of a financial fix right to stand mm. on their own two feet so whilst i was struggling in some areas with my trauma i found that i could lift these other women just by sharing what i know mm. um to lift them from one position to another hopefully a better position so that lift as you rise really came from doing work um a lot of pro bono work for women 
um, who were going through divorce. It, it originated from that that knowingness that ha- actually I've got a, I can have a lot of impact despite not feeling completely healed myself. That you know I was able to add an impact at least in that area. And and interesting, maybe that was part of your healing. I think so. Going I through that so. journey, being able to help other people with you say with the intel that you did have. Yes where other people may have other skill sets that are able to help them as part of your healing journey because as we give, we always get more back oh, than we totally. ever give at any time. Totally. Mm. I, and I think you've hit the nail on the head. And it was that work with women, vulnerable women, and then and then that work went deeper down. I went deeper down the rabbit hole and started to do work with um, women that are in the bottom 10% of the social economical ladder in Singapore, um, women who unfortunately have fall through the cracks, um, sadly, because of the way, you know, a lot of people, Singapore is very rich and affluent, etc. but there are these women who are really um, right at the bottom and, and many of them single mothers and gone through divorce. So when I started to do work with that community, that, again, I got, as you said, there was a lot that I got from that um, mm-hmm. because I, I could make a difference in that specific space, um, I could lift in that specific space. And I, and so there, there, it all came together, you know, when, when the stars align and you sort of go, oh, right. So yes, I, I've owned an employment agency and I've done all that funky stuff, but actually the stuff that's giving me a lot of joy right now or meaning is this. We're, we're, we're helping, helping people, um, helping vulnerable people because I can and it, because I can. And if I keep my mouth shut and keep the intel to myself and don't bother, um, what a waste. <laughs> what a waste. And equally, I met, I met other women who were able to add value to me in the space that I needed mm. help, you know? So, so lift as we rise came from all that. Wow. Work. It almost sounds quite humbling. Mm. that the work that you did then and then you went out abundantly shared as you say when you're going through a time of trauma yourself so I know one of the topics that you're very experienced in you love to share is is grit and we'll come on to that so Mm. where did you get your grit from Mm. where did you get that from where did we get it yeah Yeah. Um, I think having now thought about that Mm. (laughs) for a while and spoken about grit uh, for sure I think it came from childhood experience right Um, so, so I grew up in a very racist, violent neighborhood in Basingstoke. Um, and I'm the daughter of immigrants <laughs> who didn't do a very good due diligence when they picked, <laughs> they picked where we should live. Um, but that experience, although pretty dark, for sure, I, did, I didn't know it then. I actually, I didn't know it through my life until I think again, after the divorce, mm. you sort of, um, that I realized, um, I had a label for it now, right? I had a, I had a word for it and that, that I tend to operate in a way that is, I, I suppose I feel that I'm quite resilient and have the grit to make things happen. You know, I, I found, I, I was able to give it that label after realizing, oh, you know, this thing happened, but this is, this is how now I've got this operating system as a result of that. You know, oh yes, I'm used to, you know, I've been discriminated as an, as a minority figure in the UK since, since growing up. So, so I've seen that. But then I ended up launching an employment agency in Singapore in my twenties in construction recruitment. And so construction is male orientated. You know, I have again, minority, you know, um, a woman, an ethnic minority, and all those things, like, actually, it wasn't a big deal to me, because, and I don't make a big deal out of it, I was not ever a victim, and I haven't ever felt like a 
you know, working in construction and, and do it. Like I haven't, yes, there's been things that are said and there are things that are implied and there are all sorts of those stories, but actually they were never, they're not big deals to me. They're not a big deal. I, I won't tell you a story today about any of those issues because to me they were not an issue. They're just part of life. You know, people have said, people say things, racist things in Singapore as much as they do in the UK and everywhere in the world. But I don't feel that that's the story in itself. <clears throat> I think that's really good because we do control our own narrative. Mm. And what, what I'm hearing there is that I could have chosen to be a victim. Yeah. <laughs> But no. No. Exactly. no. But no, no, no. See, every bone in your body is saying, no, no. way, Mary. And one no. of my favourite quotes around that by Eleanor Roosevelt is, nobody can make you feel inferior without your permission. Oh, so good. So good. Um, so good. Exactly that. And so, so my story isn't... Like, I don't... I, the sense of pride doesn't come from framing the story of, oh, I'm an ethnic minority female that set up a construction business. in Like, that isn't the frame. No, that's right. <laughs> for me, that isn't like that. That I don't know. That doesn't tick the box for me. Um, so, so for me, it's I, I would focus more on just um, how many people we helped, <laughs> how many people we helped get them a job, and that helped them pay their mortgage and feed the kids, and that that was the great work. And actually, being a woman in construction had its benefits. <laughs> so you know, I, I feel that I was memorable in many ways because the men weren't used to dealing with a woman coming on a construction site and suddenly I'm you know the business development side of things it helped so I I think so therein I suppose I had the realization that I think I just think about things a little bit differently so so yes back to the victim thing again with the divorce yes it happened and yes it was traumatic but gosh there were so many goodies that came out of it that you know I just would not have accessed without that event so bring us back then. So how did that all come about, the, the divorce? Because you've got two children, as yeah. you say. So yeah, how did it all come yeah. about? And, and, and then you ended up helping other people on the journey, which is wonderful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So the divorce, you know, um, my ex and I, uh, both from Southampton, um, and we'd, you know, we, I think I'd known him since I was 20, 21 years old. Anyhow, we both came to Asia together. We set up our business together. We had the kids out here together. We moved, you know, launched our Hong Kong office together. Everything was together. And I suppose now I'm able to look back with fresh eyes and um, I'm able to talk about it now, but there was a time when I couldn't. Um, now I, I can see that what we did or what happened with our story is in reality, we both had stopped investing in the marriage. I think we were both all into the business mm. and then the kids came along and I just think we forgot each other mm. of course if you'd asked me this question soon after the divorce happened and the decision was made there was a lot of blame rhetoric I was blaming he was blaming um bitterness resentment there was all that um and now I'm so many years out of it how many years out of it we separated in 2015 okay 2015 so now I'm able to say no, that, that, now I see that it takes two hands to clap. Now I, now I can own my piece. Um, wow, at the well beginning, I, I was very, you know, blaming, um, could only see what he did or didn't do. Now I have a very different take on the whole thing. Fantastic. Yeah. So we split up. Um, and that was very traumatic. We owned, we were tangled in a lot of ways. The businesses, the kids, um, obviously, we had a long, we had a long history as well. Mm. 
it was the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. But um, I, there's just so many uh, golden lessons that have come from it, um, and I'm I'm thankful to him, to be honest. Yeah. Now I can say that before I couldn't. No. So there's been growth, a lot of rising mm. going on um, through through that experience. Um, yeah. Wow. But it also goes back to not being a victim. Now, maybe at some time during that change, mm. etc., you were like saying, I say blameability rather than responsibility. Yes. Which is, but many people, yeah. you know, do you get stuck oh. in the, bl- and you must have met people on your journey yeah. that are still in blameability. It's all about that person. And, yeah. and until you let go and take some responsibility, you're not healing on the journey no, for you're yourself. Not. Exactly yeah. that. And, um, I realized that there were a lot of, I had my own imperfections, which before I just didn't, were not on my radar. I realized that in the marriage, I was also showing up with expectations Mm. of how he should be Mm. or should parent or should Mm. show up. Mm. Um, Now I, now I say that I think I was expecting him to be a peacock, but perhaps he was a hedgehog and, you know, but I wanted a peacock. Mm. Was that yeah. fair? I don't know. You know what I mean? Great and metaphor. it's the same. So yeah. I kind of go, well, that wasn't fair. Now I, now I can see that, that, so, so that brought the, a lot of work and realizations with expectations in general. You know, what, what now as a mother, you know, is it fair to expect certain things mm. from your kids? Is it fair to have these expectations of others? Are other people responsible for my happiness? No, mm. they're not. But in the marriage, I felt I put too much expectation on someone else to bring me an external thing to bring inner joy and peace mm-hmm. and then the, the tr- truth of the matter is that that's an impossible situation if you're cons- if you're looking for external validation for stuff that's broken or needs healing internally you, you, you're you're doomed well i always say if you're waiting for external validation you're at the ebb and flow of everyone else's how they feel and their feedback to you yeah. and it has to come from the inside it out. To. It's an inside job. It's an inside job. It's an job. inside job. And so it wasn't until I realized it was an inside job. Mm. So all that blaming and that, it, mm. I started there until I realized this is an inside job. And I, I did go into victim mode. I did spiral down into darkness and did, you know, was drinking and couldn't, couldn't get myself out of bed at times. And, mm. and that was very unusual because for me, I'm very high energy. To, for me to, to spend days in bed and not want to get out, like I feel I was functioning like a zombie. I kept the kids alive. They got, they were fed and watered and bathed. But that's all I was, I was just functioning at a zombie level. But, but I, I think part of that is, um, you know, even if you, whoever decides to leave the marriage, it's still a shock. Yeah. You know, and, oh, and totally. There's a, and there's the whole grieving process oh, to, to, com- to go through. Yeah, exactly yeah. that. And and it wasn't sort of until and when I, during the, I had the real dark days, you know, the, the, and I would, I'd say things like, I remember having a conversation with my mum and I was like, mum, I feel like I was once this colourful butterfly and someone's come and clipped my wings off, mum. And so I'd say this. And so this is how I was feeling exactly, right? So, and then it wasn't until I, I stopped saying that. Just sort of stopped saying that. And I would say things like, oh, it's like I used to have a lot of color and now it's gone. It's like I, I'd use metaphors. Oh, it, it feels like I had a flame and that was always burning and lit in my belly. But now someone's, it's, it's there. It's not put out, but it's flickering, but it's dying. And I'd say this stuff. But and you can hear though, if you're saying that stuff, 
you're gonna feel rubbish. Yes, <laughs> you're doing. Yeah. You're, you're, yeah. No wonder you were depressed. I'll be depressed if I'd lost all my colour. I had no fire, and, exactly. and everything was a bit grey out there. Yeah, and I would do that. And then, and then yeah. I realised, like we 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 were talking, Mary, about the language, right? And Correct. so that was my languaging in the dark, dark, yeah. dismal days. Yeah, <laughs> like I sort of went. You know, we'll grow another pair of wings, Andy. Well, you know, <laughs> light the fire then. Like, what's your problem here? Like, you know, I had to change. I literally had to take myself. I had to take myself and shake myself. I love that. Grow another pair of wings. Grow yeah. another pair of wings. Well, then, because you, you can. can. Because you can. And, yeah. and I didn't realise I could. And then, ah. Or, I don't know if I didn't realise. I think I... Maybe I didn't want to. Maybe you... you get, I was having a pity party for one, right? Mm. So, it, it felt comfortable to have a pity party I used for to be really good at pity parties actually mm. I I like to I think I used to quite excel in them because I'd, I'd, normally, <laughs> I'd normally get myself a takeaway curry and a bottle of champagne and have a pity party and have a pity party yeah, yeah. yeah and, it was and really good just for the one just yeah, for the one don't anyone else just for me yeah just for yeah. one and I had my, yeah. my best gin and tonic glass and, and yeah. I, I tried um, I sampled so many gins <laughs> Measure of, world. measure of success <laughs> during those days I even had a pink gin from South Africa a friend came over I said could you bring some gin um but anyhow yeah so, yeah. so I mean I don't know if that's good or bad came out of it but okay. the point is it, there there was a point and I can't sort of say it was this day and this is what happened I actually don't know what the defining thing there yeah. was just this um suppose this shift in energy that may <laughs> go I can't I'm not the kind of person that stays in bed all day I can't you know I need to fly <laughs> yeah, but I think that's it is, 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 is um Dr Michael Betwith and uh, Oprah I always have to do about Oprah when I mention her name as my role model oh. you know as Dr Michael Betwith said you know you you get to a stage that you're sick and tired yeah. of being sick and tired and that's when you go right something has to be different so it is about the thinking again that changes how you feel then how you behave yes. and then the results that you get. So, totally. and, and some people, sadly, I'd rather stay stuck in blameability yeah. because it's so comfortable. It's so comfortable. It's so comfortable. It is. You don't have to take any responsibility for any actions that you're taking. Yeah. Mm. And there was one conversation with my uh, now husband um, and he that opened my eyes a bit. And it was very simple because so my <laughs> self-image of, of myself is that pre-divorce, very positive, can find a solution to anything, you know, um, troubleshooter see the best in the situation or people you know pragmatic but I remember having a conversation with my I was I was in it was in the dark days after the divorce and I was sort of courting days with my now husband and he said to me um D he said um no matter what I'm paraphrasing here but he said he sort of said no matter what it seems to me that no matter what solution I'm presenting or or that idea that we're discussing you are only seeing problems and I remember thinking what me only see problems that's not a description of me and I was quite offended internally at first like no I'm very put like I had that self-image no I'm a positive person I see solutions I, I'm I'm known as a misfix I'm known as a troubleshooter how, how could you think uh, that definition that I I'm, I only see problems is very alien to me but I thought about it he, he, I thought about it, and it was true that my discussions with me in those in that period when I was dark and dismal, I could only see problems and things, and I and I it was a bit of a wake up call because I knew that that wasn't how I I, I had a benchmark of, of how D is pre trauma, 
And I just thought, oh gosh, I've become one of those people, those people that I used to say like, oh, you know, you only see problems or, you know, Mm. do you not see that this could be, you know, a a solution? And now I've become the type of person that, that, that is defaulting to only seeing issues and problems. Um, and I asked was, when, when did that happen? How did I get here? How do I get out? Mm. <laughs> so the Miss Fix-It came back. Right. Very quickly, like, yeah, very get quickly. yourself out of here. Like, you know, mm. you're not that person that only sees problems, D. Yes, that is, like, I could only see problems. I was like, find what's good about this. Dig, what is good about this? What's going on? Give me three reasons, D, to self. Why is this divorce a great thing? You know, mm. what has come out of it? And I forced myself to go, what's the good in this? What's the good in this? What am I learning? What's the lesson here? And just yeah. you hear those questions though. How empowering. Mm. How empowering. Because you know, the quality of the questions we ask ourselves is the quality of the results we get. Mm. We ask ourselves, oh, why is it always me? It always happens to me. I've always got, oh. got the worst thing. And do you know what? That's the answer you'll get. But actually, turning that around completely yeah. on its head is yeah. like, What's the good out of this? What's the gift that this brings me? Yes. How have I grown through this experience? And I am not for one moment saying that's easy to do. <laughs> no, no. But, but it does make a massive impact. Exactly. So if you change the question, correct. Um, but therein came the breakthrough, you know. Um, yes. A different frame, a different question. I remember I was working with my meditation teacher because I had to do a lot of healing in, in, on the mm, spiritual side. Sure. Um, and she said to me, I was frustrated with something that had happened with the ex, some communication we were having, you know, and it was causing me a lot of anxiety. And she said to me, um, he will, my interactions with him will continue to bring me anxiety until I learn the lesson. That's all she said. I said, what lesson? I'm so frustrated. I'm ready to learn. What's yeah. the lesson? And she said, you'll know. And it, it stays, it stayed in my mind till this day that whenever I get triggered, frustrated, let's say, or even if I have a conversation with him that's not pleasant, I am now able to go, Dee, what is it you need to learn? You're annoyed by this. What what needs to be learned here? Why? You know, I what? call them the whispers. Oh, I love it that you have a word, the whispers. Oh, I love it. Can I borrow that? You can say that. We get the whispers. I'm, I'm sure I've taken it from Oprah. She won't mind. She's a friend of mine. Yeah. Um, uh, it's like the whispers, the whispers, and then you get the bang on the head, you know, yeah. but the, you, you know. So I one of the reasons I want to have this conversation and I really, really honour your openness and transparency around this, dear, because I think it will help a lot of females and males actually who are stuck in a situation in a marriage where they know it's not right for whatever reason and again, no judgment, no blame, it's mm. just not right. Mm. And I had this thing, you know, if you got the memo, <laughs> we've got one life, you know, so yeah. you don't have to live as a martyr and in misery. Mm. However, I have to applaud you because it takes immense courage to step away from a relationship, particularly when there's children mm. involved. It takes immense courage to step away from a relationship when you're in a business partner. It takes immense courage to walk away from a relationship when you're living an expat life. The courage you've shown and demonstrated. Mm. So so what's the message? Because you know and I know there's many people in relationships that are in it because of the children, mm. because I haven't got an income. Mm. I mean, some of the women you talked about that you help. Yeah. So what are the messages that you've learned along the way that you'd give to these males or females, because we've got a trailing dependent males as well as, as females or in a relationship that they feel they can't leave again because of the children, that responsibility to pay the bills and the school fees, etc. What would you say? What would you say? Wow, what a question. Um, I want to do the question on us. So just, yeah, give me a moment to sort of... I, 
I feel that we have to take responsibility for our own work, our inner work, and how we are showing up. I think we have to start there. From what I've seen, I'm not sure if people can reach a position of peace. Actually, I am sure. I don't think you can reach a position of peace if you operate from a position of anger or blame or, you know, resentment. Those energies um, are, are not going to lead you to peace. And so, therefore, one must ask themselves, what, what do I need to do then? So for someone who's going through any divorce, whatever, any trauma, uh, I think we've got, you've got to go inside. You've got to go internal and you're going to have to face dance with the demons. So that's quite scary for people. And it is scary. Because as humans, we love familiarity. Yeah. We're programmed to be, feel safe, secure. So you're asking me that, although I'm not happy in my relationship, you're saying, I don't have to yeah. go and take some responsibility for who I am and who I'm How becoming. Yeah, exactly. Mm. And the thing is, you know, if, for example, you are dependent on a breadwinner, for example, mm. and your life is now breaking away, you have choices now. You know, you're either going to dwindle and be in a worse situation, or you can start right where you are and upskill, reskill, figure it out. So this is what you yeah. helped a lot of these women do. So you, the women, yeah. so they were, for some reason, they weren't the main income earners or they were looking after the children, they were taking sabbatical from work, um, whatever it is. So you went out in this time of change for yeah. you and you use your fantastic skill set yeah. in recruitment, career, CV, all of that yeah. to help these women find that spark or that sense of, you can do this. Yeah, yeah, to basically show up. Um, so, so my work with them was very tactical and very practical and tactical. Mm. So, you know, that there could be right from building, building blocks of CVs, you know, and, and how to write one to LinkedIn profiles to showing interview techniques to how to do things, how headhunters do. Um, so that, you know, for, for many of them, it was just to get a job. You know, one lady I was helping was, you know, just needed help to get a job at Subway. But, she, you know, once you get a little bit, even if whatever, it doesn't matter what the amount is, any income in started, would, would empower them suddenly, right? They mm. could, now they would have a sense of being able to earn. And then, you know, they've, they've lifted themselves from this point to that point. Now they can work on the next thing. Do they need to clear debts? Do they need to think about saving? Do they, you know, maybe many of them were far away from saving and needed to figure out the debt issue first. Um, but but you couldn't sort of figure out the debt issue until you've got a job. And w when you're feeling so down and your self-esteem and confidence is in tatters, how do you even do an interview, you know? So, so I came into the scene at that level with, the, with those that were... Um, very much on the breadline. But then I was doing a lot of work with a lot of expat women here who, you know, did have money in that sense, but actually after divorce were on their ass, you know, uh, or would be on their ass or were caught in very big, complex court cases, which were messy and complex or, you know, caught in situations where they couldn't go home because and take their kids because otherwise they'd be kidnapping by the Hague Convention. So there were a lot of different scenarios. And, and regardless whether somebody was an expat or not, you know, we would, people that I was working with were predominantly women, but, you know, we were just women. Most of the women had kids and I was just like, oh, yes, I want to help the women, but actually it was all about the kids um, because they were really 
the victims and all of this. And I just, God, you know, if you screw the kids up when they're little, we're, what are we summoning them to as adults? You know, what are they going to carry in their programming if, see, if they're part in, in this trauma? So if we can, if, you know, happy mummy, happy baby. I kept saying that to myself. If, if I can help the mummy, if we can help the, the, the mother and she can get back on her feet, you know, get herself a job and then, and then we can start making other decisions in her. Um, but start there, that then hopefully that's going to ripple to the child in some way, shape or form, you know? That's so amazing. That's so amazing that you did that. Honestly, it's made me feel quite emotional. It's oh. amazing, amazing, Dee, that you did that. Because I see these women, I mean, you know, I haven't seen the breadth maybe that you've seen, who have given up their lives for their children, followed their partners around the world, set up businesses, communities, yeah. school, all of that. And then they're trapped because they haven't got the jobs or the yes. finance to allow yeah. them to go and do what they want to do next, which yeah. is break free from a relationship that is over in, yeah. in, in, on many levels. Yeah. So I know through clients that come to me as well that there's secret Facebook pages. And oh, things, yeah. So, 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 yeah, I mean, you, I'm assuming you knew all about those. Oh, yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes, I'm, uh, yes, I was certainly a member of many, many groups, um, which were, some people don't know about these groups. So, yeah, yeah. so there, there are, um, there's, so depending if people are listening in Singapore, there are secret Facebook groups. Um, but there are communities as well on Meetup, the app. And I'm sure there would be in any country a Meetup is a global app where, you know, even people, single people who've gone through divorce can meet up or, or you know, whatever the frame is around the groups. But yeah, I, I, I mean, these kind of groups, I was with a few, but I also had to have caution with some of the groups because the conversations in some of the groups are, heavy um heavy and you know i it's it was great to to find resources like lawyer recommendations or things like that but to read i had i set some boundaries around myself to protect myself from from i have my own <laughs> shit to deal with am i allowed to swear on this yes, but, um so so i didn't want to uh i suppose expose myself to heavy conversations about other people's divorces um mm. it's a really heavy dark space to be in it also sounds that where where you wanted to offer the best fix was on the practical stuff yeah the, the, the solution the solution yeah. stuff rather than getting involved in emotional stuff which yeah. actually needs to really go through counseling or coaching yeah, and or that's therapy totally which is totally. a different thing so you offered that and so that that yeah. is an, that there are resources out there for people yeah. that again i know these groups are 100 confidential yeah. part of you have been allowed to join the group is you don't break confidentiality oh, and, I, totally, and I think yeah. that that support is out there is out there if, if you need it to is find if you it, want it yeah if you want totally it. yeah and the other thing I found is that you know we all you know many of us have grown up well certainly in the UK you know we don't hang our dirty washing out right mm -hmm. um and so as and culturally as well it's, it's yeah as well. yeah as yeah. someone who um is known in my family to be a misfixit um and and sometimes even a mediator between if there's any any arguments and things like that um i the old me wouldn't be a big sharer of issues and troubles and i just i fix it i solve it i get on with it by the time you hear about it it's done and dusted and fixed if you hear about it however when i went through the divorce i realized something quite significant and that was when i shared not from a position of being a victim, but when I was open, vulnerable and opened my heart and shared that I'm not in a good place, when I did that, even with siblings, family, inner circle friends, the abundance of love and support that came to me because I opened the door to it 
was well it propped me up it it, it you know, I will forever be grateful to all those people. But I realized if I didn't open the door to it, I, it, it was closed. I was closed to allowing it in. I think what you've demonstrated there is very much the difference about not being a victim, but allowing yourself to be vulnerable. <sighs> totally. Because as you, you give permission to people to allow them to help you ah, yes. when you allow that vulnerability to yes. share. Mm. And before I'd have this sort of, I don't want to put anyone out. You know, it's, it's the smallest thing. You know, my parents will always offer to pick me up from the airport in the UK and I will be like, I don't want to put anyone out. I'll get on the coach myself. I'll solve it. You know, I just don't want to put anyone out. And I thought the one after the divorce, I don't want to put anyone out. I still kept saying, it's not their problem. It's not, I don't want to bring that into somebody's house, that negativity. And, but I realized I, you know, I needed love and support. And so when I, when I did share, actually, I just, it was the love that came in was incredible. And so I became, um, I was okay to share. Wow. with some certain people because I realized it was important for them to know where, where I was at and I, I also was able to receive. But with, in saying that, you've got, you've got to tread carefully, right? Because, you, you know, if you're the person that's talking about your divorce 12 years down the line. I would suggest you, not, you haven't moved on if that's the case. Yeah. But again, I have to applaud your courage there, Dee. It takes courage to allow yourself to be vulnerable. Yeah. Particularly if your label has been for so long, I miss fix it, mm. that then to go, actually, I'm not sure how to fix this one. Oh, totally. Uh, and I would say that as like, this is, I, I, don't, know, I don't know how yeah. to fix this. Yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't know how to fix this. Yeah. Um, and also, yeah, so it's all narrative, self-narrative. And then, you know, oh, I'm broken. I don't know how to fix myself. And then I just had to say, you're not broken, D. <laughs> Why are you saying that to yourself? You're not broken. You know, and I had to remind myself also that, you know, the business went downhill. Um, the one that I shared with my ex, neither of us were leading it very well. Yeah. Neither of us were on the same page anymore. And yeah. I had to sort of take ownership for that as well. You know, sort of, I've, you know, run it for whatever, 13 odd years. Had, we'd had great days and great mm. times. And I think where I operated as, I hope, a good leader. But then I also had the times when I wasn't there and I wasn't operating as a great leader at all. And that visionary wasn't there to lead. And as a result, the business started to not do well. Mm. And I kind of had to own that and go, yeah, don't do that again, Dee. Wow. <laughs> but I, I, you know, taking from, although I wasn't, I was very sad about what had happened with the business. I also then, again, narrative. I, I said, you're not broken, Dee. You know how to set up a business. You know how to go into different countries. You know how to do business from zero. You started something from zero. You can do that again. Absolutely. And so and I had better, to remind actually. myself. Yeah. 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 Sort of, you, you know, that actually, that, no, things are not broken. They're different. They're different. And, and no, the business isn't broken. Look what you've got out of it. All those contacts, all that knowledge, you know, all the mistakes I made. I could write the book of what not to do in business because of that business. And so I had to cling on to the goodies mm. that had been left. But I, there was a time when I couldn't see any of those goodies. Yeah. Well, mm. I think you get so dark into it. And as you say, the, the internal dialogue was bringing you down and down and down. So then you can get stuck, but actually you, you can get out of it quite quickly once you, you start to change your narrative uh, and your dialogue yeah. about what is happening for you, you know, and the gratitude and what you appreciate. And yes. you really have to focus on the good. And, and we, wherever we focus is what we'll find. Totally, totally. And, you know, for me, if you're talking about how, you know, whenever I hear people giving this sort of advice, it's, it's easy to say, right? So for me, in case you're wondering how I did it, for me, it was building rituals, mini rituals um, around 
things that I was doing on a daily basis. So, you know, I I had stopped exercising. I'd put on weight. I was Mm -hmm. drinking, for example. So I knew I had to build mini rituals around all those behaviors to change those behaviors. And so mini rituals for me could be, right, I'm going to start running again. Okay, I'm going to join an online challenge or a challenge. Okay, so so I have a goal now. Right, every night before I go to bed, I'm going to put my trainers by the door and all my set my gym kit out. So it became a ritual. Then in the morning, when I feel like turning the alarm off because I can't be bothered to go running, which was often the case, I had a mini ritual. Then I would, as a mantra, say to myself, just put your trainers on, just put your trainers on, just put your trainers on. Once the trainers are on, I'm out the door because it's too much effort already, right? I've got my trainers on. So I I started to build little mini rituals to change bad habits that I'd fallen into. I love those. And um, Ariane Huffington talks about micro habits, Ah, but also there's some wonderful work by BJ Fogg. And he's a behavioral scientist and he, he calls them tiny habits. Oh, tiny habits. Tiny, same, yeah, same thing. Same, yeah, same thing. You literally get your trainers out. You get, trainers so yeah. you just, and each day, and even if the first day you just go down the stairs and come back again, oh, you, yeah. you've already sort of started to build it. So yeah. get some momentum, get some movement exactly, forward. Yeah. So I'm curious, how did butterfly letters come into all of this? Oh, Cause yeah. yeah. I think again, um, I knew from the divorce that, you know, I get a lot of joy from lifting women and kids right and and you know I've got two kids boy and a girl and happy mummy happy baby I just kind of went back to reflecting with role models who are our role models you know and I have these conversations with the kids and I realized that you know growing up at school I was never really taught about female role models of course my mum is my female role model but I we weren't taught about female icons really um they weren't really part of the history lessons who who were the female trailblazers that we were exposed to as kids I don't know but also I'm curious being being the daughter of immigrants in England what Asian role models would you have been shown anyway if you were I mean in fact the female or Asian I'll tell you who it was Um, it was I used to sleep with the picture of goddess Durga (laughs) under my pillow because she was a warrior you know she sits on a tiger and she's got all these arms with like weapons I was like she is badass um so as a little girl I would look at her girl I would be like her like she's she's like the Indians have the best goddesses don't they they do Uh, because most of don't have females in these patterns so I actually took a lot of it she was badass and um but that was at home not at school you no, exactly. In yeah. society, in school, mm. we, we, I mean, no. I really wasn't. There were, there, we weren't talking about women. We were talking about Einstein. We were talking about, you know, Thomas yeah. Edison. We were talking about men. Male, male, <laughs> male Caucasians. Exactly. Actually. Yeah, exactly yeah. that. And so, yeah. and now as the kids are growing, you know, I'm, I'm scared about the whole cyberbullying and all that. And I see the TikTokers and the influencers, the product endorsed influencers. And I, you know, I sort of go, oh, I don't want my little girl to, you know, have, are they the role models? <laughs> are they, are these the role models? And, you know, for, for the way that women are still treated around the world and suppressed, I also recognize that I need to have conversations with my son, you know, um, about how to treat women, uh, when he's older and, and, or now and older, you know, we need to have these conversations. And so for me, it came from looking at my own kids and going, you know, do I, you know, do what do I want? my daughter to grow up in a world where she's paid less than my son for doing exactly the same job that sounds like crap to me should my son you know is he going to be exposed to subliminal messages about women are xyz and men are you know i refuse to have that in my house and so so i deliberately wanted to introduce role models female role models and talk about it with the kids so it came from internally with my own children we talk about grit a lot um and i really wanted to show what's possible um what has been achieved by incredible women that nobody talks about you know dead and alive dead and alive 
and give them an alternative perspective, raise a bit of curiosity. So, so it came from that. And then I suppose I just paired it with, I'm a copywriter by background. I love writing. I've been a prolific pen pal since I was a little girl. Till this day, till this day, I write letters back home, friends. And I just thought, yeah, marry the two. Why not set up a business where we write letters about gritty girls? That's the first collection, gritty girls, um, and, and send it for kids, sort of five to 15 years old, you know, and, and pull them away from their screens, let them receive slow snail mail the way we used to, um, and enjoy a short story. But that's something that's fiction and, um, nonfiction introduces them to a trailblazer. And, and, you know, I've been doing that. I've, I've seen, it's, it's incredible because I only launched it in August, but it's, you know, I think we were all, already sending like our 500th letter out around the world. Well 11 done, yeah. well done. But 11 countries, feedback wow. though, the feedback and the pictures I get of parents are sending pictures of their kids holding the letters and they love receiving the letters because, you know, we post twice a month. Such a simple thing, isn't it? Just writing them a letter. But I, I it's a heart project. Um, and I actually think, I, you know, it, we're already planning lots of different collections, not just for kids, but for parents. I think we're... I think I'm going to do a, an adult burlesque one at some point for, for the mums. I love <laughs> that. But, you know, it's, it, it plays to the creative in me. Mm. Um, at the same time, I think we can do good with it because, mm. um, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll collaborate with writers and artists. Lift and rise again. Exactly. Yeah. So writers and artists will, will produce collections. It won't just be me writing and then they Beautiful. get royalties. So I sort of feel like it's a giving ecosystem. Mm. Um, and which, it's based sits, on, which totally sits with your values. Yeah, totally. And it's not based on instant gratitude. You know, we have to wait for the next letter yes. to know what happened next. Yes. So, so, yeah. I, yeah. As I call, we're, we're in the skip the intro. Uh, mm, nice. <laughs> yes. We're in the skip your intro growing up with like, oh, I don't even have to watch the intro. I'll skip that. But yeah. actually wait for a letter yeah, to come in the wait. post. <laughs> what Wonderful. happened next? Yes. <laughs> You've got to wait for the next letter. Um, so, yeah. So, th- that's what that project's about. But it's a, it's a do-good project. It's a feel-good project. But you say it's a heart project. So, you've got it's another totally. great big um, opportunity coming up for your career. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. In the uh, Middle East. So, I'm off to to go back um, working with some old mentors of mine and, and, and it's big, I've got a big role in Dubai, still in the recruitment space and that will be quite exciting. But it will, again, I think I'll, I'll have another layer of growth. Which I love. Oh my! Uh, yes, I can say you're a growth junkie like myself. Yeah, oh gosh, like yeah. myself. Yeah. Well, if you're not if you're not growing, then like well, who was it? Tony Robbins. Tony Robbins. Like that's it. If you're not growing, you're dying. You're exactly. Dead. Yeah. Like if the plant isn't time. growing, it's dying. So you're stagnating in yes. your own yeah. like, stew. Yeah. Exactly. exactly. So I am going to ask you like the three questions I ask all my guests, uh, Dee. But I want to ask you specific questions because I get many people that come and I say sit in my wishing chair about, and they may not be happy at the time. Maybe they've got. Their job has changed, not by their choice. Their relationship has changed, not by their choice. Their finances have changed, their health, whatever it is, something has changed, normally not of their choice. And um, I often say to them, maybe not in the first session because they might not be ready for it, but as we go <laughs> along the journey, I go, you know, this is a gift for you. Mm. There's a gift. I mean, you may not feel like this now, but there's a gift. This has happened for a reason. Mm. Everything happens for a reason, synchro destiny. There's a gift in here. And you're going to come back to me at some stage and say, do you know what, Mary? I found the gift. <laughs> yeah. And it always happens. So what's the gift of your divorce for you then? Ah, um, for sure, uh, the realization of that concept of it being an inside job. I'm less shaken by external events. And we're in a very big external event, as you know, right now, right? Mm. But I'm less shaken uh, mm. by those things. I'm less shaken by conversations that are difficult with 
people because I know it's an inside job. I know that I, if I'm triggered, I know what to do. I need, I need to I go internal to solve that and figure that out and, and instead of blaming whoever it was that triggered me, you know. Um, so, so, the, so without the divorce, I would have been showing up in the world, perhaps thinking the world owes me a bit of a favor or a sense of entitlement or a sense, you know, just a sense of other people are responsible for my happiness that I now know is completely false. So because of the divorce, that's, um, every, for me, everything is an inside job. We can solve things internally and that's the first place to go. And it sounds to me, it's like the absolute greatest example of self-empowerment. Mm, yeah. Completely self-empowerment, yeah. self-containment, self-empowerment. Mm. Beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. <laughs> so what advice or emotional support would you give to your 16-year-old younger self, Dee? Oh, I wish I... <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I wish I had this when I was 16. <laughs> I, I would say um, to extend the lens. Um, and so what I mean by that is before arriving at any decision to really take that lens and go, this is the short-term lens, this is the medium-term lens, and this is the long-term lens on whether if I should or shouldn't do this thing. So whether that's picking a boyfriend or being with a guy or the way you're talking about your body to yourself um, or spending money on the latest bag, it's about go, arriving at those decision points after you've put that decision through the short, the medium, the long-term lens and then see whether or not that's a good call to take. So, you know, if I keep hating my thighs <laughs> or my butt, how does that make me feel today? If I keep doing that like next year and I'm talking to myself in this way, what's the outcome of that? How am I going to be feeling if I could spend a decade doing this? What, what's that going to do to my self-esteem and confidence? Could I lose jobs? Could I lose relationships? You know, and start to go into those territories and think with a bit more depth um, about whenever needing to make a decision. So extend the lens. And I think it almost you could do that on the absolute converse of that. If I did do this, what would happen? If I did do this, what would if happen? Exactly so that. you can do it both, both ways. ways. Both yeah, ways. I love that. I love that. Yeah. Beautiful, beautiful. So your lovely children, what's the legacy thinking you want to leave your children? Knowing that, you know, it's not about leaving them money. It's about leaving them your thinking because that's the bit that's the legacy that's going to live when we're gone. So what's mm. the legacy thinking you'd like to leave your... Um, yeah, so I, as a bit of a wordsmith myself, um, I came across the... Sufi idea, I don't know, if Sufi analogy about putting your words through the four gates. Have you heard of that? Tell me more. You put, your, put your words, so before you speak, allow your words to flow through four gates. And the four gates are, the gate number one is, is what you're saying true? So is it true? Um, the second gate um, is, is it necessary? Is it necessary to say whatever you want to say? Uh, the fourth gate is, is it beneficial? So is it going to help the person, the situation? And the final gate is, is it kind? So if you answer no to any of those gates, then perhaps <laughs> that it should be left unsaid. Um, and in a world where we all want to speak and people are vying for our attention, etc., I think this has helped me especially after divorce with certain things that I wanted to say to my ex. <laughs> mm. But I had to pause um, and I, I've had to learn how to pause because I would just speak. And now 
if you there's a there's so many things I've not bothered to say when I've applied those four gates and then in the end that was the, the right thing to do I love those four gates and I'm also thinking what a great tool to use when you talk to yourself too yes <laughs> yes 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 yeah really imagine each thing you're saying to yourself putting yourself through those four gates and and what how would you speak to yourself? And it also reminds me of the work by Byron Katie called The Work, where she has four questions around that, around your thinking about, you know, is, is it true? Can it really, how do you feel when you have that thought? Mm. And how would you be without that thought, without saying mm. that? You know, so it's a similar type similar of thing. Similar concept, yeah. yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Oh, wonderful, mm. wonderful. Yeah. So what are you most grateful for, Dee? Obviously, there's so many ways to answer this, but in context of what we've been speaking about today... I'd say I'm grateful to my ex, to be honest. Um, I'm grateful to my ex. There's no doubt about it. There, there just wouldn't, apart from the obvious, there wouldn't be the kids. Um, but there really wouldn't be, uh, I, I, I wouldn't be showing up how I am now able to show up. I wouldn't have had the growth. I wouldn't, there would be no butterfly letters. There's so much actually in the end. He, he, that situation, that whole scenario allowed me to see the areas that I needed to heal um, so that I don't repeat things in my new marriage, for example. I feel I'm showing up in a different way in my new marriage, and I think I have to be grateful to my ex for that. Wonderful, wonderful. What a beautiful, beautiful ending to a fabulous conversation. Thank you. Thank you, Deep, for your time. It's so, so wonderful for you to spend your special time and share such honesty, such transparency, and really, again, lifting other people and letting them rise as a result of this conversation. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Mary. Wow. As you can hear, an amazing lady. I thought it was interesting, as I call myself an autocorrector, how she changed her narrative, which was making her feel depressed, not surprisingly. And then when she started to talk to herself in more positive metaphors, how that shifted her mindset and things started to change for the better. I loved our show of pity parties, how historically we excelled in the past, making ourselves feel miserable and drowning in self-pity, which got us absolutely nowhere. It was wonderful to hear about her energy change when she had that wake-up call, when she realised she'd moved her away from her misfixit identity into only seeing problems, which was absolutely not her. And she started to ask herself more empowering questions. And of course, she then received more empowering answers. What you focus on is what you'll find. Energy flows where attention goes. My teaspoons of inspiration, there were many, but the ones that really shouted out to me were, lift as you rise. Isn't that just wonderful? Happy mummy, happy baby. So true. And Grow another pair of wings because you can. Just imagine if one day you woke up and decided to grow some new wings just because you can. I wonder how much better would your life be? The intention of this podcast is to lift my guests higher. And what really helps this happen is if you rate and review this podcast on whatever platform you're using. And pay the podcast for to a friend or a colleague you think that might benefit from hearing this conversation. If you want to connect with me, please find me on LinkedIn, Facebook and Instagram as Mary Barrett Global. And come and join my Mary B tribe for an MMMM, a Monday morning motivational mail to drop into your inbox. 
once a month or more. Thank you for listening. I really appreciate it. Until the next time, have fun, learn lots. And remember, every time you make a choice, you change the direction of your life.